are tuning in to the intersection of theology and Christian education. Anchored is a new ministry of Peoria Christian School where we gather the PCS Bible team in order to provide biblical commentary on the claims of the culture. The tides of culture ever change, but the Word of God remains the same. And as Christian families and Christian school and Christian individuals, we must remain anchored in the Word of God. I'm so glad you chose to join us this morning. I hope we are an encouragement to you, as I know hearing uh, your feedback is an encouragement to us here at Anchored. With all that being said, if this is your first time tuning in, you are in for a very special treat uh, today as I have a special guest in studio with me who I know will be a blessing to you. If this isn't your first time tuning in, you probably know that we are in a series going over different apologetic responses to the skeptical claims of the culture against the existence of God. In fact, if you caught last week's episode, you would have heard student William Jackson talk about the moral argument for God demonstrating uh, the necessity of an objective standard outside of ourselves in order to justify our moral living. And he also demonstrated how it is consistent with the God of the Bible. Our goal today is to do exactly the same thing, but from a different angle. Uh, we're going to approach uh, the existence of God from a, a slightly different perspective, but just as powerful and just as biblical. But before we dive into that, let me introduce you to our very special guest today, Caleb. Welcome to Anchored. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Caleb. Uh, hello, I am Caleb. Uh, I like to read. I like to draw. I am a senior at Peoria Christian High School. I have been here nine years, which has been far too long. <laughs> I am almost free. You are almost free, Caleb. So you've been here for nine years. Very briefly, uh, Caleb, tell us maybe what a highlight is about going here at PCS. What is probably your favorite thing about Peoria Christian School? I really like the weekly chapels. Uh, really appreciate the stopping and taking the time to praise the Lord and to hear from him. Yeah, well said. That's a unique thing we have here in Christian education. It makes us stand out and stand above uh, other ways of education here at Peoria Christian School. We strive weekly to uh, inculcate our student body into God's word and spend some time that is specifically set aside for prayer and worship. And I am encouraged that that has made an impact on you. With that, let's turn our attention to uh, what our main goal is here this morning. And we are talking about uh, different arguments for the existence of God. And in class, we talked about four specific ones, and we had each student choose the one that they felt strongest about or they felt was most persuasive, and we did uh, in-depth research papers on these different arguments. So last week we discussed the moral argument for God. This week we will jump into another argument with God, uh, or about God, for God, I'll say. Um, and uh, Caleb's going to tell us a little more about that. So Caleb, tell us what argument you chose and give us a little insight into your research. Yeah, so uh, I chose the teleological argument. Um, it's probably one of the top two um, complicated ones, that and the ontological argument. So I went with the teleological argument. I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, basically, it's humans, everything has a purpose. So since humans are part of everything, humans have a purpose. Purpose is not accidental. Purpose is something that is given. So there must be a perfect purpose giver, a designer, a creator. And that is the whole argument. It gets you to there is a higher power that created everything, but that is about it. Okay, so Caleb, you described to us the teleological argument simply stresses from what I'm hearing here is that there is purpose 
there is goal, a goal, there is object, uh, an object in mind in terms of nature and the universe. And that seems to undergird the foundation of this argument. So, um, Caleb, when we reading through our paper, you stressed at the very beginning, if I recall, how seemingly as a culture we are lacking purpose or that there is this ethos of uh, depression from many people feeling they don't have a purpose. Why did you start out your paper that way? And what was uh, the purpose in you beginning your paper with that? Yeah, so... Um I think one of the major objections people have to the teleological argument is people don't have a purpose. And if people don't have a purpose, that derails the whole argument. But if you can get people onto having purpose, you're good. So as a culture, I think the problem is with we just don't have a higher reason for existing without religion. And I think that hurts us quite a bit because we like living because we have hospitals every hospitals everywhere, but we also have really high suicide rates. Um, I think my statistics were it it increased 33% uh, in the last few years. It's, it's not good. It's something to look up for sure. But we have a lot of hospitals, so this definitely does seem like a paradox because why would you have so many hospitals versus all these people trying to kill themselves? I think the problem is our society and the things that we value because what we value shows a deeper part of ourselves. It shows what we try to strive for, what we are trying to fill ourselves with. And I think part of that's the American dream. The American dream is the house with the picket fence, with the job, with very materialistic. And I think that's the problem. And when we get those things, they're just not fulfilling because we spend all this time in this rat race trying to get somewhere to get more stuff and the stuff isn't fulfilling. And then you can go after, I think I went into uh, our storytelling because I think our storytelling is very important. Maybe not all of it, but if you look at the very important, the very, the ones that have done very well, you can see why they have done very well because they reflect the culture. So the Disney paradigm where they, so there is a true love. There is someone that a uh, soulmate that you can go for. And I think a lot of people kind of harp on that. Um, a lot of people do think there's someone out there waiting for them. And I don't, I don't believe in soulmates. I don't think there is the one waiting out there for me. I think um, I was at a conference one time and someone said something that stuck with me. It was, if you're aiming for something, you're going to get there eventually. Mm. And I think because this works because we want it to. I think it's a little placebo type thing where because we're looking for the one, eventually we're going to find someone who maybe not fits it perfectly, but fits that what we're looking for. So we might not find the one, but we're eventually going to get married because we're looking for that. We're looking for that one. And I think that doesn't help us because the standards in movies are so high because they have to have like the perfect looking people and they set standards that no one can reach. And I mean, even if we look at our celebrities, they're all depressed. and <laughs> Right. They seem to have everything. They have the fame. They have the riches. They have the popularity. Yet oftentimes, depression rates are so high amongst that community. In addition, I think, Caleb, you're pointing out a very good point. We live here in the 21st century. It seems like we're the most, you know, we have the most stuff. We seem to be the most connected in terms of social media and the Internet. We have all these new technologies with cell phones and even, you know, everyone seems to have air conditioning and we can fly and we can do all these different things. Yet, 
it seems like as a culture, we're becoming more and more disappointed with these developments. And I think it all circles back to finding that foundational reason or that purpose on why we are here. And when we misdirect that, when we have a misunderstanding of that, we're going to recognize that popularity is going to disappoint us. That stuff is going to disappoint us. And I think this circles right back to one of the the strong points in your paper, which is going back to the idea of in terms of God and in terms of creation, if we can demonstrate that the universe has a purpose, that it seems that the universe has been so fine-tuned and detailed as if there was a reason or an object in mind, then that would be a strong suggestion that there is a higher being or God out there that not only has purpose for the uh, you know, the, the sun and the moon and, and plants, but also for people. So kind of transitioning from that, Caleb, tell me some of the strong points, the strengths of the teleological argument. Yeah, so I think that the very reason that people say it's an invalid argument is one of its strongest. I think that because they're striving for all these things that are letting them down, I think that shows just as much a purpose as anything else because they need something. They have that inborn striving that they need something to fill themselves inside. I think that shows that they do have a purpose, and I think that works really well. Um, One of the other strong points of this argument is the argument from design, Um, the watchmaker analogy. Um, I think that one's pretty strong because I, I honestly don't know how you can get into science and not believe in intelligent design just because the farther you get in the just more intricate details and each intricate detail you can look into farther and examine that and it just you can almost go infinitely down in our universe it seems to like even the quantum level which is infinitely complex it shouldn't happen randomly that you can make something that's almost infinitely complex it's just amazing and astounding it seems the more we grasp on what reality uh, is the more we are amazed by the the complexity, the the detail, and it seems a reasonable person would have to come to the conclusion that there was some type of design here. Uh, so, Caleb, now I think you you use an example in your uh, uh, paper of uh, David Bowie, right, and a statue of David Bowie, right, kind of maybe playing a little bit off the uh, maybe a watchmaker argument, if I remember correctly. Um, walk us through that a little bit, because I think you made a good point about the, like, comparing the idea of a statue or, in previous arguments from the past, a watch, and concluding there was a designer. Yeah, so I shifted the watchmaker analogy. If you were going through a park and you saw a statue of David Bowie, like the one in London that plays tunes on the hours that got defaced, sadness. Um, if you went through that park and saw a statue of David Bowie, you would think that someone put it there. Someone would have had to have put it there. Uh, If you saw like the slab of rock, you might not think that. You might think that it was like something that they just built around. But since since you recognize his face, since, because it would have to have been chiseled, it's not just like a rock they found that vaguely looked like David Bowie and they're like, whoa. So you'd have to assume that someone put it there for a reason. There is a purpose for it being there. One would assume that the place has some special relevance to Bowie. you wouldn't just assume that he was placed there arbitrarily. You would assume that he is connected to the place. We wouldn't just put like a statue of Oprah down in the senior courtyard. If if this was Oprah's high school, maybe we would. But since Oprah has no connection to PCS, we would have no reason to do that. 
So the argument that this was taken from is called the watchmaker analogy. It's the idea that if you found an abandoned watch, an abandoned pocket watch, and you picked it up, you could open it and see all the gears moving inside it. You could see all of the hands moving. You could see all of its inner workings. And from that, you would decide that it was left there on purpose, maybe, that it has a purpose, that it wasn't just kind of a rock there sitting. Right. I think the the powerful application of everything you just described, even looping it back to uh, really a, a, an argument from history, hundreds of years ago, the idea of the watchmaker argument was being utilized is the fact that when you encounter, whether it be a statue or a watch or something like that, you want, the reasonable man wouldn't approach it and say, wow, I didn't see who built this. So nature produced it, right? You'd look at the gears and you recognize, you know what? There's really no way that nature would produce a pocket watch on its own. There's really no way nature chisels out David Bowie and a rock on its own. The reasonable man would conclude, even though I didn't see who chiseled that statue, even though I didn't read the manual on the watch, that there was intelligent design behind these things. So how much more so should we say the intricacies of the universe? You know, in terms of gears, the universe has so many more complexities uh, and detailed oriented things than the gears on a watch. Even more so is the universe more chiseled than a mere statue. Yet it seems like the prevalent view is that nature did it on its own which I think the logic you seem to be demonstrating through the teleological argument is, why would we assume intelligent design behind a statue and a watch, but not the universe? Is that a correct application? Yeah, um, I was talking to someone the other day who believed in evolution. And one of the reasons, he is a Christian, and one of the reasons he gave was that a lot of people believe it. And if a lot of people believe something, then it's probably true. And Quite honestly, it's, that's kind of a garbage reason because a lot of people believe any number of dumb things. I There's just too much evidence. Neuroscience is infinitely complicated and we find out so much more every day. And I think, I think it's just going to die. Evolution is going to die as we continue to find out more and more things about the universe. It's going to get to the point where you just couldn't. Well, and, and Caleb, that's the beauty of these four arguments, specifically the teleological argument. When you approach uh, in a conversation, uh, maybe a more skeptical person in regards to the evolution creation debate and all of this going on, the teleolo teleological argument really focuses and hones in on the critical aspects of both worldviews that forces us to provide a reasonable response. Sure, evolution has the ability to tell a beautiful story at points, but can it provide reasonable accounts and explanations for our observations of the intricate detail of this universe that the teleological argument does provide for? So I think even in terms of conversation, the teleological discussion, and this is why I love having it on this podcast, is so we can equip our listeners to have the conversations that you just described, that it equips the believer to really uh, be uh, engaging in a conversation, to hone in on the crux of the disagreement and to demonstrate the superiority of the biblical paradigm of understanding the world. 
Speaking of the Bible, uh, there is no better transition time than uh, for me to ask Caleb, Caleb, what aspects of this argument do you find in Scripture? Can you show our listeners how the teleological argument is consistent with biblical Christianity? Yeah, so um, the Bible expressly states multiple times that we have a purpose. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us through Christ Jesus our Lord. So in there we see God having a purpose. So, and we see... We see him having a purpose, and we see us being called to his purpose, which is both sides of the argument. Something giving us purpose and us having a purpose. We see in Romans 8, 28, and, those, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 9, 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So we see God using people for his purpose in not always positive ways, though, as well. But there is the purpose for everyone. Um, in Proverbs, it says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Um, and we can go into the argument for design. Uh, in Luke, the disciples are rejoicing and praising God, and the Pharisees ask Jesus to make them stop. Jesus responds with this, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And in Psalms 97, verse 6, the heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So from these two verses, we see creation itself crying out and pointing to a creator, which is the very watchmaker argument. So true. Um, there's a plurality of verses. And what I love, once again, about what God's doing here at PCS, you know, at so many other places of education, you just don't get equipped with Scripture. In fact, there is no place to learn what the Bible has to say about such important topics like this. But here at PCS, we have students that are equipped to connect uh, real-life experiences, the sciences, the logic, all this with Scripture itself. So, Caleb, thank you for sharing those Scriptures, and I think they're crystal clear, right? Humanity has a purpose. God has a purpose in mind, which is why with the teleological argument we see, even as a human uh, race, we are constantly in search of purpose. We are constantly living out something that's more uh, uh, than ourselves. In fact, you always hear people say, everything happens for a reason, right? There is purpose and reason to this life. And unfortunately, when people lose grasp on that, that's when we start to see the health of a culture decline, right? We see suicide rates. We see depression rates. When you lose grasp on your purpose and potential in Christ, you start to see uh, your own health and seemingly the cultural health uh, decline. It even reminds me of the fact that we're all creating the image of God. Purpose, reason, design. Then I appreciate your verses too, that even the stones will cry out that there is a God, that there is a creator. The stones have a purpose if people fail. And even Romans 1 where it says God makes it plain to them through creation of his divine attributes. So Caleb, I, I want you to put on your, your theologian hat for a second here, okay? I want you to become a theologian and I want you to tell me a little bit about this. So um, when we see humanity being exposed to creation, to being exposed to God's word, to being exposed to all of this, 
yet they still reject God. What does this tell you about humanity? I mean, you can present a lot of people with evidence. You can present them with all the evidence you want, but it's still a choice because we have free will. And when it comes down to it, being a moral person, like it's outlined in the Bible, is simply inconvenient. And in our culture, inconvenience is a disease almost, Mm -hmm. something to be avoided like the plague. Yeah. Good observation. I appreciate that insight. And we discuss this sometimes in class, and we have to be reminded of the biblical commentary that outside of Christ, uh, the Bible says we're blind to the truth. We're blind by the ruler of this age, the evil one, that we're enslaved to our sin. Uh, that is, that it seems like we don't want to believe there's a God. That outside of Christ, we don't want to be morally accountable. So in the face of all this evidence, we'd say the reasonable man would see that watch and assume a watchmaker. That the reason we would see that David Bowie statue and or that Oprah statue in the uh, the senior courtyard. And we'd have to recognize someone put it there. Someone chiseled those statues. They did not pop up on their own. And Caleb, this is the beauty of what I saw in your research paper. And I think what you're equipping all of us here as we interact to do to really focus the conversation into demonstrating that the Christian worldview provides consistent answers to the questions of why do I as a human being feel I have a purpose? Why when I look at the universe do I see so much purpose, so much reason, so much detail? Why is all that there? Well, Caleb, the teleological argument that you are talking about provides that answer that is consistent with scripture to say, you know what, there's a God who created all this and cares about you. So Caleb, as we uh, have just a few more minutes left here, I want us to take a minute here to uh, briefly talk about what are some ways a non-theist would account for or try to explain the apparent design of the universe. Did you find anything in your research that would help us uh, tackle that question? Yeah, sure. Uh, Michael Behe is a very respected scientist. Uh, He does a lot of stuff with cells and down at that level. He does believe in the teleological argument, the intelligent design, but he is not a theist. So um, I think what he accredited to was aliens. And you could reasonably say with this argument that aliens seeded our culture and we could be grown in an alien farm. We could be in a Uh, computer-generated reality. But until we find out that either one of those is true, I think we need to continue on with the way we... Isn't it amazing the intellectual hoops we have to jump through if we want to explain reality without the God of the Bible? Um, Now, I haven't engaged much with uh, Michael Behe's research, and I know you have a little more, uh, but that is an amazing intellectual leap to assume, just to avoid the conclusion of God, we will assume aliens before God. In fact, I was listening uh, as well to um, another non-theist speculate that, you know what, this universe appears to be designed, but really it's just by coincidence when we assume a multiverse theory, right, that there's an infinite number of other universes, and we hit the jackpot, we won the lottery, with this one, it just seems such an intellectual and mental gymnastics uh, just to avoid concluding the God of the Bible, that we will conclude aliens or an infinite number of, uh, of untestable universes out there. And we just got so lucky. 
With that, it is such a glaring conclusion that the Bible is absolutely true, that uh, God is real. It is clear to us the reasonable man would conclude that God did finally finally tune and design this universe, that God gave us purpose, even purpose to make this podcast today. And uh, humanity outside of Christ is so intent on avoiding that conclusion that we will conclude things that would uh, seem so radical and seem so uh, unnatural to uh, our scientific age, but many will conclude that just to avoid concluding God. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our listeners uh, are blessed by what they heard, and I think you gave them a lot of practical ways to equip themselves with the teleological argument and to articulate it to their friends and their families and uh, anyone who comes into contact with them and is seeking more answers. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, We have a few more students lined up to discuss uh, some other arguments for God, but the teleological argument is a powerful one that an everyday man can use. So I hope you found this show practical. I hope you found it edifying. And I am so looking forward to seeing you next time on Anchor. Thank you.